friends. This is Mercedes from The Noshery. And this is Rebecca from Foodie with Family. And welcome to My Plate is Always Full, where we're always hungry to talk food and all things food related. And we just want to say real quick, a special thank you to everyone who has reached out with text messages and direct messages through social media. And just letting us know that you've enjoyed the podcast. It means a lot to us. And we really appreciate all the awesome feedback. It just kind of gives us life. It does. It's super fun to hear the things that make you laugh and to know that we're having fun with you even remotely. So the question is today, should you buy that kitchen gadget? Worth it or not worth it? Oh, this is going to be fun, isn't it? How many times have you gone into a store and you find a kitchen gadget and you're like, oh, that looks interesting. Let me go home or try it out. Go home or try it out. (laughs) Let me go home and try it out. (laughs) I mean, I remember even when I was doing my wedding registry, like so long ago, um, you just like add all of this random stuff that you think you need in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And you just, there's a lot of stuff that Sounds cool, but it's actually a real pain in the ass. Yeah, (laughs) because then you have to shove it around in the cabinets or on the countertop and you lose parts of it and it just doesn't get used. And before we go any further, I'd like to point out, because I know that our husbands, Lindy and Obed, listen to the podcast, we also get a lot of gadgets to try for free in our capacity as food bloggers, and we have not spent all the money finding out which things we don't love just some of it. (laughs) All right. So let me uh, go through the rules today, you know, so to speak, of what we're doing. We have a list of common kitchen gadgets and appliances, a few not so common thrown in there. And we're going to go through them one by one. And we're going to tell you whether we think they're worth your money or not and why. That's right. We're going to help you either spend or not spend your money in a useful way, hopefully. And I would also like to say that both of us largely have an aversion to unitaskers or gadgets that can uh, only do one thing, right? Yes. And I think... I hate them. I think <laughs> I thought about this because I thought, why, why is it that we both dislike these? And I think it's a carryover from both of us working in a professional kitchen where space is usually at a premium and anything that doesn't pay for itself and usefulness gets the boot really quickly. For sure. And then also for me, I lived in such a small space for like what, four years, five years. So having a unitasker was just absolutely out of the question. Right. And I may have been a little bit more forgiving of one in the past, but now it's just like, absolutely not. I mean, I shouldn't say absolutely not because I can think of maybe like three that I have, (laughs) but it's because even though they're unitaskers, they're really worth the uni task. (laughs) Right. Well, I think we've got a couple on the list that I think might technically be considered a unitasker, but I would argue that their usefulness extends beyond their original intent. So we'll we'll get to that when we get to our list. But I think it's I think this is gonna be fun. So last episode you told us about the history of the toaster. I say his (laughs) I mean I guess it was the history. It's like the evolution of the toaster. Uh, So I assume that we have a little episode today because we always have a little episode because we also like 
to educate and inform. Yeah, you know me pretty long, well, don't you? Along with entertain. <laughs> yes. So today, um, it's more of a micro lesson, really. And I guess technically... It, so itty bitty, yeah. just tiny lesson. Yeah, I suppose it might <laughs> technically be more in the trivia category, but I find it interesting and it is educational on some level. So the slow cooker is one of those gadgets found in most American homes, right? Yes. Okay. First of all, <laughs> Jess, that's my Jess. sister's name. First of all, did you know that slow cookers got their start as, quote, beanery cookers? I did not like to, I mean, to cook beans. Yeah, they actually called them beanery cookers. And the design was, it, it was made to help housefrows cook beans all day long for bean-based meals, which were housefrows? Housefrau, housewife. It's German. Oh, well, why don't you just say housewife? (laughs) A lot of people say housefrau, I think. Not just me. And not just in Germany. Come on. Okay. I am going to. Okay. I'm going to. Sure. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Even though I've never heard it. But yes. Okay. Absolutely. Everybody who's listening, (laughs) send us a text or an email. Somebody out there has got to tell me they use the word housefrau. Or I will have to do something embarrassing. So, <laughs> and that would be it. So the house, yes. house frows are cooking beans all day long. Yes, because also known as housewives. Yes, also known as housewives, <laughs> the real housewives of slow cookers. Or just, you know, people in general are cooking beans all day long. Right. But when they were introduced in the 40s, the 1940s, it was mainly women doing the cooking. A house frow. Right. The house frows were doing the cooking. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Bean meals were big at that point because they were economical and a great way to stretch your food dollar a little bit further. So I know also that you and I share a complaint about slow cookers. And that's the... I'm not a huge fan. Right. Most of the food that comes I mean, they're not horrible, but I'm not like, yay, slow cooker. Actually, there was a really long time that I was absolutely staunchly against the slow cooker. Yeah. I'm not vehemently anti-slow cooker, but I'm also not the world's biggest slow cooker cheerleader. But that slow cookers are going to... We'll save this because slow cookers are on our worth it, not worth it list. So... I don't want to. They do have. Yeah, we'll discuss it in a little bit because I used to be super like these are stupid. Right. But I do have. Well, I don't have one anymore because I now have something else that also slow cooks. Right. We'll get into that. Yes, we will get into Um, that. Yeah. So but it does have its place. Here's part two of our micro lesson slash trivia session. And that is that most people know that a slow cooker cooks at a low, steady temperature for a long time, but they don't really know much else about how it operates. So here's- Also, I have no idea what that temperature is. Right. I always found it so annoying That's... where it's just like this generic like low and high. Right. So well, what is, does that mean? This is my trivia for you. Here's the pop quiz. I was going to ask if you actually know what the temperatures high and low represent on the little dials. I do not. Okay. But I'm going to tell you. So- I'm going to tell you the temperatures that high and low represent. High is 300 degrees Fahrenheit and low is 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, there's a little bit of give in either direction, but I would argue that knowing that, you can better know what you should or shouldn't cook in a slow cooker for best results. Yeah. And I don't understand, like, why don't they tell you that? Oh, you know what? I think they like to preserve the mystery or something of, of their beanery cookers. But the... Oh, slow cooker, you're so mysterious. Oh, I mean, come on. <laughs> but part of what part of what happens with that 
overall is that it doesn't actually mean that you're going to be cooking something at 200 or 300 degrees because of how the slow cooker works, which is that it's got a heating element and a crock and it brings it up to a simmer temperature and it holds it there. So using high is going to get you to that temperature faster where it equalizes than using the low temperature. What? (laughs) (laughs) I'll repeat myself. I don't know if I, like, what happened there? I went like, wait, what? what? (laughs) Let me try to clarify that just a little bit before we move on to our list. The the construction of the slow cooker is that you have a metal housing, a heating element, and a heavy crock. So the heavy- Like a ceramic. It's usually ceramic kind of- Right. Ceramic or like a, some of the fancier ones have a cast iron that's been Mm -hmm. enameled, Um, but- what happens is that heating element heats up the crock and the crock stabilizes at a certain temperature. So somewhere between the 300 and 200 is where it's going to stabilize. It usually stabilizes around 250 degrees because the slow cooker is not designed to hold on to that heat and keep building it. So some heat beyond a certain point disperses, which means that Basically, using a high temperature, you're going to bring the heat up faster inside the slow cooker, but it's still going to stabilize at about the same temperature. I got it. Does that now make sense? Now in tiendo. Yes. yes. Okay. I was just like, what? I mean, in my defense, I think just like in the first explanation, I maybe just zoned out there for a second. Well, <laughs> that's in your defense. My gosh. You're so honest. <laughs> So, I don't even know why or how. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> so why don't we actually move on to our list and let's start it with the slow cooker since we've been teasing it. Um, slow I know, cooker, right? is it worth it or not worth it? Um, it For me, it is in conjunction now with the Instant Pot. Right. Does that make sense? It does. So, but let's just take... Okay, you know what? I take that back. A, a stand, I think having both is good because a standalone slow cooker is good for, I mean, there's also just the general cooking process. Yes. But a slow cooker is also great just for keeping things warm. So even if you were to, I mean, think about it like a buffet kind of situation. Yeah. So if you have guests over or you're having a party or something like that and you prepare something outside of the slow cooker, you can use the slow cooker to keep it warm for service. Yes. I'm going to give a qualified worth it to the slow cooker because I do have one. I don't use it the same way a lot of people use it, but I do use it enough that I think it's worth having one. And they're not expensive, although they are a little bit bulky. So if space yeah, is I think a that's probably my biggest hang up. Yeah. Is the size of them. Yeah. But they do have a lot of use. Not I mean we all know you make a pot roast in it. Whoop-dee-doo. You know what I mean? Right. But there's also just the use of being able to hold and keep food warm for service. Also, if you're making things like cultured products that you kind of want to let go, you know what I mean? Yes. And not have to baby too long. You can make yogurts in them. You can make ricotta cheese with a slow cooker. You know, there's a few things that you can make that way that are outside of just your traditional pot roast yes situation yep so i think we can agree slow cooker worth it but mainly because it's not expensive and it's useful for several things yeah 
It's not at the top of my list. I don't think like everybody needs to get a slow cooker. Right. But they are useful for sure. Okay. So in, I'm going to put this in the same category. I'm, but I, I want to talk about it separately. And that is a Dutch oven. Absolutely. Yes. Everybody needs a Dutch yes, oven. I think we agree. Everyone easily. here. Dutch Hello, oven. Totally everybody, worth it. Everybody get a Dutch oven. Get a solid, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they can be really, really pricey. And there are, I don't know, like, what do you would say, call them like levels yes. of Dutch oven. You know what I mean? Does everybody need like 10 Le Crusades? No. No, but they're nice. You know what I mean? They're really nice to have. I would even argue like a Le Creuset is an amazing heirloom piece. You know what I mean? It will last you forever. They look awesome. But I would not call it a starter Dutch oven. Absolutely Because not. of their price point. No, you can walk into any big box store or heck, I mean, around us, you can even get them at hardware stores. Just get a big old cast iron Dutch oven and treat it well. It's cast iron. But you can walk out of there with a big Dutch oven for under 40 bucks. I would say the biggest thing that I would pay attention to is the thickness of the cast iron. There are different, if you, if that's probably what will diff, make different, what, what's that word? Differentiate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, I was like, durf, durf, durf. Uh, the price points, I mean, along with the enamel coating and the colors and everything like that. But that'll make a big difference on the on the price point is how thick that cast iron is. Yep. A really low point, low price point cast iron um, will tend to be thinner than a higher price point cast iron. Um, so that would probably be my biggest thing, just because of durability purposes, consistency of heat, sure. everything like that. I have multiple lodge cabin uh, cast iron along, and one of them is. A Dutch oven. I actually, I mean, I lucked out because the Lodge Cabin factory is about, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half away from my house. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, jealous. Yeah. And so I go there and they have like a whole section of like what they call seconds. It's just stuff with like minor imperfections, but they're still good quality product. And I've picked up a few things there. And they're, they're a great company for um, like starter, you know, Dutch oven. And then eventually, you know, for Christmas or for a special occasion, you can be like, hey, can you get me this $350 <laughs> beautifully colored enamel Le Creuset? I'm still trying to do that. Haven't gotten there yet. I will one day. <laughs> yeah. Someday. Someday you'll you'll earn that. Someday I'll say. justify it. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, so I I think we both agree then Dutch oven, totally worth it. Um, and the reason that they are worth it, yeah. we haven't really even because I rambled there for a little bit, is the versatility of them. They go from stovetop to oven to fire Yeah, if you want to. You know what I mean? They're, it's really a very versatile. You can do soups. You can do stews. You can do braises. You can deep fry. Um, it's, it's a really great piece to have in your kitchen. And I think for me, what I would argue is that if you're maybe a little averse to the products that come out of a slow cooker, you can take those recipes and convert them to a Dutch oven. And you're going to end Absolutely. up with a, in almost every case, I think you're going to end up with a superior end result if you cook it in a Dutch yeah, oven. For sure. Especially because you can kind of build within that. I think one of my biggest hangups or 
issues that I had for a long time with the slow cooker was all the prep that was required to even get into the slow cooker. Right. In order to build like flavor. So you got to brown it. You got to have this whole other skillet or pan or pot or whatever to brown it, to saute stuff, to, you know what I mean? To create any kind of flavor and, and layers to then put it into a crock pot. Right. Well, you can do that all in a Dutch oven. With without messing up anything else. Exactly. So my preference, I would always lean, and I still do, I lean towards, if I'm going to do a long braise, I just do it in the in the Dutch oven. Same here. And throw it in the and throw it in the oven and just walk away. Throw it in and walk away. It feels very <laughs> like break the wrist and walk away. It's very Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, but yes, so Dutch oven, worth it. Moving on. Stand mixer. We had this discussion, I know, so we'll keep it brief. Um, in the last episode, we discussed whether or not stand mixers were on our top 10 kitchen gadgets and then we agreed that it depends what kind of cook you are right like it depends what what your folk or what you do most in the kitchen so for me a stand mixer is totally worth it because i bake a lot and i bake in large quantities well i mean you have five boys so you don't exactly make just one dozen cookies oh my gosh can you imagine how sad that would be (laughs) like you guys can each have one and a half cookies so as opposed to in my home, it's just the two of us. I don't do a lot of baking, be it bread or just like pastry or cakery. I don't know. What are, what is, <laughs> like when it comes to cookies and cake, like what is that? Is that just, is that pastry? Is that? I guess technically it's bread baking. in the realm of pastry, I suppose, but I would just call it baking. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't do any of the above. <laughs> I don't I don't want to say like I don't do any of the above, but I do very, very little of the above. Um, I'm more apt to use the stand mixer if I'm doing large quantities in regards to like, I don't know, making hamburger patties or meatballs or a filling. Right. And I need to like emulsify or if I'm making sausage or if I'm making pasta. Or if you're doing um, shredded meat or... Or if I'm trying to shred like hot, yeah, you can use it to shred chicken or hot pork, you know, roast or even brisket. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll use it more for those purposes. And even so, if... I have one and I I like that I have one right now because when I do use it, it is very handy. However, if my space is limited or my budget, I would hold off on the stand mixer unless you are an avid baker. Okay, I would say that's fair. So it's a qualified worth it if you are an avid baker. It is really cool though that with the KitchenAid, if you're like really, really into cooking, which I mean, I think we both are. Yes. It's just where we both are really into it in different categories. Yes. But if it was like an all-encompassing thing, like if I was baking bread and making pasta and making meatballs and stuffing sausage and you know what I mean? Making ice cream, like all of these things are attachments that you can add on to a kitchen aid. Which is pretty so, slick, and, actually. Which is pretty awesome. And for those purposes, yeah, it's great. But it's just it's just one of those things that you really need to kind of balance out, you know, what you'll use it for, the price point on it, and the space. Yes. So I think if you make an honest assessment of your needs in the kitchen and what you would or would not do with it, I think you can 
decide pretty quickly whether or not it's worth it for your kitchen. And for sure. I think in the same category, just let's touch briefly on it, hand mixer. I think everybody needs a hand mixer. Okay. I will tell you honestly, I did not have a hand mixer for probably 15 years, and I got along fine without it because I did have my KitchenAid stand mixer. That said, I bought a hand mixer a couple of years ago, and I use it like maybe twice a year. That's funny. I'm the other way around. Do you keep your KitchenAid on the counter? No, because it's huge. I yeah. I use well, it see, as a weightlifting session. And I don't want to like lug it out on the counter either. So I'm lazy and I go and I grab the, uh, what do you call this thing? The hand mixer. <laughs> yes, that's what we call it. <laughs> so because I just, I'm just not, for me, I'm just not doing the large quantities. Like even if I'm going to whoop it, whoop up, whip up. Even if I'm whipping up like a batch of cookies, yeah, um, I'm going to use the hand mixer. Okay. But again, if you're whipping up a batch of cookies, you're doing it times three. So I would get the KitchenAid. But if I'm making like whipped cream, I get the hand mixer. Oh, no, see. If I, you know what I mean? That's funny because if I'm doing whipped cream, I go for the KitchenAid because I think it's faster. Yeah, but I just don't want to lug that thing out just for... And I'm literally whipping up like half a cup of whipped cream. Okay. So it doesn't really take that long. Fair you enough. You know what I mean? Yep. Fair enough. Again, we're talking like two-person household versus... 400? What, what do you got? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Last time I counted, there were... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. From one day to the next, I don't even know how many people live here. I have no idea anymore. Yeah. I've lost touch with I that. I mean, yeah, I totally will pull out the KitchenAid if I'm making... Um, like we host my husband's family for the 4th of July and I'll pull that thing out and use it all weekend long, you know, for whatever it is. But it's because I'm making a large quantity. Right. But for day to day, I'm using the hand mixer. Right. So, so again, this is this is one of those moments I'd say you can probably get away with one or the other depending on your needs. I don't think you necessarily need to have both. I I make the argument that at my house... I can justify both because I cook for a living. So, um, but if if your budget requires you to choose one or the other, just look over an honest assessment of what you're going to use it for and make your decision based on that. They're both really great things to have. They are. It just depends. It depends on what you what you will be doing in the kitchen. And in that vein, yes, we also have. The food processor. Yeah. And I would say we can do the same thing with a food processor slash blender discussion that we did with the stand mixer slash hand mixer discussion. Wouldn't you? Well, I mean, yeah, Kind of, sort of. But kind of, sort of, because you... So the thing is, is that with a food processor, you if you're not being picky about your cuts, your small cuts, yes. a food processor is great. Like I would use a food processor all the time in the kitchen at the restaurant. If I was just like quickly chopping up some garlic or onion or carrots or anything like especially making like a mirepoix or something like that and I didn't really care about the quality of my cut, yes, I would use the food processor. But you can't do the same thing with a blender. No, you can't. Because a blender will just liquefy or puree it for you and a food processor will give you, will chop it for you. You have much more control. So so in that sense, I say they're very, and I cook very much with that in that way. Right. I will pull out the food processor much more than I will pull out the blender. I agree. And I think, I think though, that again, if we're talking about 
you know, budget limitations and you had to pick one or the other, I think the food processor can do some of the jobs that a blender would do. I agree. But that a blender can't do all of the jobs a food processor would do, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. So for sure. I, However, I would say that you can kind of get around that with, um, because not everybody needs like a Vitamix. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. So you can kind of get around that with an immersion blender. That is true. Which is a lot cheaper usually than getting a full-size blender. And it takes up less and space. It takes up less space. So if it were me, I would get a good food processor, which also has the slicing and shredding attachments yes. with it or blades. And then uh, instead of, unless you're like some crazy avid smoothie maker, you know what I mean? Right. But you can still or, make a pretty reasonably decent smoothie in a food processor. Or even in an immersion blender. Yeah. Or with the immersion blender, you know? So I'm just saying like a food processor, you can make a decent smoothie, but it's going to still be kind of chunky, right. you know, yeah. versus like in a blender, it's going to be nice and actual smoothie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hence the name. <laughs> Hence the name. So the way to get around that, if you don't want to like spend a ton of money on a blender with the motor and the and everything, you can get the immersion. I would get an immersion blender and a food processor. Yes. Before I would get a blender and a food processor. Yes. So um, food processor, I think we both agree, worth it. Is a must. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing about it is that it, it's just so versatile. It's not just for chopping onions, carrots, and whatever. You can shred cheese with it. I use it a lot, especially in my Puerto Rican cooking, because we use all of these ingredients a lot. We Like, you know, making sofrito on the regular, I'll use the food processor on the, during the holidays, if I'm making pasteles, which are, if you're not familiar with what pasteles are, they're kind of the Puerto Rican version of a tamale, but completely different. <laughs> <laughs> they're similar, but totally not alike. They're completely different. At all. They're only similar as in like, you make some kind of a masa and you wrap them in banana leaves and you boil them instead of steam them. And well, anyways, they're completely different, but they're <laughs> kind of like a tamale. Well, thank you for that lesson. <laughs> Very helpful. The point is that in order to make them, you have to grate a lot of juca and plantains and bananas. And that used to be done by hand. Ugh. It was extremely time consuming. I bet. So now a food processor makes it so much easier. And then you can make pasta in them. You can just make so many things in a food processor. I could go on and on. I mean, for me, it was life changing. When I got like a decent quality large cup food processor, yeah, it was everything. And it's also very handy to have like one of those tiny one, two cup food processors. I have both. Okay, so that I don't know about you. That actually, that makes me think of two different things that I want to discuss. So the little tiny food processor makes me think of that handy chopper. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, so, which I don't like the handy okay, chopper. Right. So I'm, I'm actually, I think we're both going to say not worth it on the handy chopper. Correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I do not like So the handy for those chopper. who are not following along I don't with find what them we're talking about particularly handy. <laughs> it's it's a little <laughs> container, maybe a 1 cup, 2 cup capacity container with a attachment, an attachment that fits onto the top that has a blade in it and you pop your hand up and down on a plunger on top of this attachment and it chops what's in your container. I just find them so annoying. Now, I suppose <laughs> If you were trying or to Or like, be... do you remember 
Real quick, do you remember the, um, oh my gosh, that really obnoxious guy with the slap chop? Hair? The slap chop. That's it. Yes. You remember that? Yes. So a handy chopper would be a slap chop, I suppose. <laughs> so I think I would say for me, it is not worth it. However, I can see where if you were maybe an older person living by yourself and you didn't want to have to haul a food processor up and out, I can see how that might be helpful. However, I think I think a, a one cup, like a small one and a half cup, two cup food processor is much better. Well, I would, I mean, my vote is definitely going to a food processor, but I suppose if you were maybe camping and needed to make a mirepoix, I don't know. I can see where somebody would use it, but that person is not me, is my point. Yeah. I mean, I don't even see the camping scenario working out, but sure, if you want to try and throw that out there to justify it. <laughs> I don't know. Like okay. I said, I don't want it. I don't want it in my kitchen taking up space. For me, it's I don't not like worth them it. for multiple reasons. Yes. I don't like the the fact that you have to like slap it. I find that just kind of annoying. And I'm also thinking about how that force is going into my cutting board. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I it just bothers me. I think they're a pain in the butt to clean. I agree. They're annoying to store. You can't do anything else except chop onions and garlic with them because there's no containment as opposed to with a small food processor. You can do onions and garlic and like, I don't know, puree bananas or something. You know what I mean? Like you can do other like things that might liquefy a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you can make a, a small, quick serving of guacamole or salsa in them if you're like a one, two person home. No, I do um, understand. Like I said, for me, yeah. it's not something that I would. I know spend people money who on. live and die by the slap chop, but please <laughs> go get a little food processor instead. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I actually agree with you there. I was just saying that. I could envision a scenario in which it would be useful, but that scenario does not exist in my home. So yeah, uh, I concur. Okay. So in another one that we can talk about is a pasta machine. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I think a pasta machine is worth it. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, I know this is maybe in the unitasker category. However, however, you do not look. I don't even, even if you're only making pasta, I don't know. Twice a year. Two or three times a year yeah. or whatever. You do not want to roll that pasta dough out on by hand. Oh my gosh, no. And unless you're like making, you just, it's, you know, Pennsylvania Dutch egg noodles where irregularity is prized. Yeah. It's just, I mean, the amount of work and force and effort that it takes to roll pasta dough out by hand and have any kind of consistency. Oh, sweet mercy. Is, yeah. <laughs> is really difficult. I tried it one time. So, one time. Oh, me too. And it was... And it was so bad. <laughs> no. I looked at my <laughs> husband and I said, if we're going to make homemade pasta again, we're going to get a pasta machine because this is ridiculous. And I'm so tired. I can't even lift my fork to eat this now. Well, and I actually will mention that a pasta machine can have another useful benefit, I guess that's where it yeah. is also useful in making other things besides pasta. I use it to make my empanada dough. Yes. And it's also good to, for rolling out egg roll dough. 
Yes. So you can, I mean, if you want to make any kind of thinly consistent rolled out dough, I mean, honestly, I think you could probably, could you roll a pie dough? Is that like a thing? I don't think. Okay, I I'm gonna not I'm like gonna, not no. like for a full size pie, but if you're doing like little hand pies, I suppose. But maybe? I feel like I don't know. I'm I not obviously. Like, you can tell I'm not much of a pie maker. Yeah, I feel like you might be overactivating the gluten on a pie crust if you're doing that. I I feel like well, that, I can tell you, you can use it for making empanado, empanada dough. Empanada. I don't know why. Like when I go from. From Spanish to English, like in one sentence, I get a little tongue-tied there. <laughs> uh, the egg roll dough, uh, like for wonton skins, pasta, anything that you want to be nice and thin and consistent, you can use that for. So I think it's totally worth it. And the benefit is, is that you can have either your traditional countertop pasta machine, yes. or you can just, if you have a stand mixer, you can just buy the attachments, yep. which is what I have done. Yep. And I actually have, it's funny, I have more than one stand mixer, <laughs> but I, oh my, gosh. my pasta machine <laughs> is the old school manual one. I just, I like, I like clicking the dial on it and I like manually rolling the pasta out. I know that sounds lame, but I enjoy it. That's, it's one of the, <laughs> it's one of That's the fine. old That's okay. school I won't judge you. that I, you're judging me. I can sense. No, I'm things. not. I think it's totally, it, I get it. I mean, I pick sometimes what I want to eat for dinner, depending on what utensil I'm going to use. So <laughs> I get it. Okay. 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 Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So moving on from the pasta machine, um, electric tea kettle. I do not own one and don't feel like I need to. <laughs> okay, here's where we're going to diverge. I have an electric tea kettle and I love but it. But you drink tea. I do, but I use it for more than tea. So it... Yeah, but what's wrong with just putting a kettle on the stove? I will say an electric tea kettle boils water faster than a pan on the stove. Well, no, I'm talking about like a, like a tea kettle on the stove. I, I use a tea kettle every morning. I argue that my electric tea kettle will smoke your kettle on your stove. Okay. It's fast. It's fast. It's convenient. It, to me, it's worth the space. And yes, I am a tea drinker. So I purchased one the first time because of my tea drinking habit. However, I use it a ton. So if I'm trying to, um, melt chocolate gently. I'll boil water in my kettle, pour it into a heat proof bowl, and then put the other bowl on top of it. So it's like a bemery, but faster. You know, I would probably maybe say that ignorance is bliss because I have a traditional stovetop tea kettle and I use it every morning to make coffee because Oban and I use a French press yes. for coffee making because it's just the two of us. And I am happy with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel, in fact, I have my whole morning routine down packed that in the time that it takes for the water to boil, I've set up, you know, the coffee and the sugar and the mugs and I'm making toast. And by the time the toast is done, the water is, you know what I mean? Like, it's a whole. I get it. You've got like, your morning routine, your morning I ritual. got my whole dance. Well, I don't need it. I, I, I don't need an electric tea kettle. I think you'd like an electric tea kettle if you had one. No, but, I don't like appliances. Okay, here's the thing. I <laughs> thought it was foolish until I got one, and then I haven't wanted to be without it. So essentially in summation with the tea kettle, worth it for me, uh, not worth it for you. We will not probably come to a consensus on that one. We will not. 
So that was super helpful. <laughs> it's helpful if you're a tea drinker. <laughs> so, okay. So what do we got next? Garlic um, press. Let's talk about a garlic press. I don't like garlic press. I, the end. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I also don't use a garlic press to press my garlic, but I have been known to use a garlic press to crack the... Um, the peel the skin on a garlic clove to make it easier yeah but you can just use your knife to do that that's true so i would say garlic press not worth it i think i mean it mangles the garlic it's a pain in the butt to clean oh my gosh it's horrible Um, to clean yeah it's you can literally you literally can never get it clean it doesn't matter how many times they try and redesign it and give you some kind of brush and comb and whatever right it you can't do it like it's impossible agreed garlic press you're out of here be gone with you. So that was nice. Um, I really don't like a. I really don't like the garlic press. So moving on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what we have on the. It's funny that we have this one on the list because I am constantly saying I need to get a salad spinner. Ah! Constantly. So I don't have a salad spinner, and every time I need it, I get so annoyed. Yes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to get a salad spinner. Yes. <laughs> to me, a salad spinner is totally worth it. Although I will say that my sister Jessamine has a pretty solid salad spinner hack if you don't have one. And- oh, please do tell because okay. I'm I'm always so annoyed because it's not just for. Initially, I was like, salad spinners are stupid because I hardly ever speak salad. (laughs) I hardly ever eat salad, but I do really enjoy like greens and it's handy for, you know, uh, basil, for example, or really anything that you just need to get some water off of. It doesn't even have to be a leafy green. It can be like corn. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yes. So I, you know, I understand we're recording remotely today. And this is one moment when I'd really like to be looking at your face to see the reaction when I tell you Jessamine's salad spinner hack. And that is that Uh she washes her lettuce or her greens or whatever it is and puts them into a clean pillowcase and walks outside and and swings it it around her head like a crazy woman. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm telling you, it works like a freaking charm. So I mean, I guess you can have a dedicated pillowcase or like flower sack or something like that to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's your salad spinner hack. So in my world, salad spinner is worth it because I don't want to stand out in my yard like She-Ra swinging a, you know, (laughs) pillowcase full of greens over my head. However, in a pinch, the pillowcase trick works. But it's true, right? Like, I mean, I don't have a salad spinner, but I'm always like, annoyed that I don't have one. Yes. And you can spin other things besides greens in it. You can spin berries in it or anything that's delicate, herbs, whatever you want. So worth it. And trust me, if I keep finding situations where I'm like, damn it, I wish I had a salad, a salad spinner. I think it's something that you know what? Now I'm going to get on online real quick and order a salad spinner. I think that's talking about the it. solution to today's <laughs> issue is to order a salad spinner. Yes. Okay. So have you ever seen this is maybe Maybe everybody else has seen these. Maybe they haven't. Have you seen silicone food savers? Is this like like reusable Ziploc bags? Uh, well, it's reusable, but it's basically like a little snap to fit thing that goes over things like onions and avocados. and. Oh, I have. I do not have any. I've never used them, but I've heard really good things about them. Okay. I, I have a problem with them existing. However. Okay. 
I don't. I, so for I, me, it's not worth it because that's something else to rattle around in a drawer. And I almost never use half of an onion or half of an avocado. It, it's just not the way now, it works. I in my do house. quite it's, often. Yeah. Because it's just, again, the two of us. But I just use a good clingy cling wrap yeah. or something like that. I get if so, you're trying to reduce waste and you use half of a thing, maybe it's useful. It makes sense. Maybe it works in your world, but in my world, it's not worth it. I think, couldn't you re- instead also use, you know, those beeswax wrappers? Yes. Yep. And I think that would be better because they would store easier and you can use them for other things too, like to cover other items because right. it's not just like a round piece of silicone that you can only use on an onion. You know what I mean? Part of my issue is silicone, while it resists holding on to odors, still does hold on to some odors. So oh, you would have true. to have and a that dedicated wax paper would too. Right. You'd have to have yeah. a dedicated onion wrapper and a dedicated avocado wrapper. To me, it just feels like it feels like too much More work. Yeah. yeah, I concur. I mean, I don't even have one. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't even sure exactly what it was. Right. So. so for me, not worth it. So what about I didn't know this existed. A hard egg hard. Wait, no hard, hard boiled egg peeler. Whoa, gosh, I had a moment there. Didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this I'm just going to go ahead right now and tell you not worth it because a hard boiled egg peeler is sold at a price. Point. Is that one of those like suction thing? Like those like like it's a tube thing and you push it through or something like no, that? The one I saw was $20 and it was, it looked like basically a little plastic container with a couple of tiny fins, like quarter inch fins on the inside and a lid that you screw onto, onto the top. And then you shake it to break up oh. the, the egg peel apparently. And, I guess it helps remove the peel from the egg. It's that is a unitasker if ever there was one. And when you're talking $20, thank you. No, I will tap my egg on the counter, roll it around a little bit and use a spoon. If you listened to our last episode, you know that we talked quite a bit about the the magic of making hard boiled eggs in an Instapot that would solve the situation of this hard boiled egg peeler. So yeah, definitely not worth it. But worth listening to our last episode to learn why you should get an Instapot instead. Exactly. Because you can do everything, not just one thing moderately. <laughs> I, but I, exactly. I feel like I, the hard boiled egg peeler to me is one of those things that I, I start getting a little conspiracy theory oriented on it because I just want to know who the heck thinks it's a good idea to market this and how much money they're making off of people for something that just does not even need to exist. I mean, it's li- it's literally your quintessential typical like as seen on TV product. It's you know 20 I mean? bucks for this little piece of kit that you have to rattle around <laughs> that you're not going to use. It's ridiculous. It, oh my goodness. it makes me moderately angry. So let's move I on. Can, I can tell. <laughs> um, how about meat forks or meat claws? I think they're worth it. Okay. I would say meat forks are worth it to me. Well, yes. I mean, oh, well, you did say versus. Yes. I would for sure say meat forks, yes. Meat claws, meh. meh. I mean, not really. But any kind of, I mean, I think it's totally worth it, especially we do quite a bit of um, 
large meat smoking. Yeah. And if you're going to be transferring any large piece of meat from a smoker to a tray or from the oven to a platter, like some really good meat forks are really nice to have. Yeah. And so if you, you don't like, you know, drop that turkey on the floor or something like that. And if you choose nice looking ones, they can double as serviceware. So I think to me, a meat fork is worth it. Meat claws, they're a little gimmicky. It's not useful in my kitchen. I think meat claws, though, are more, they're kind of marketed more for shredding meat yes. versus the transportation or serving of meat. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like a meat fork can shred meat and transport meat. Exactly. So I would definitely pick pick the forks over the claws. <laughs> okay, so, so <laughs> speaking of things that you may or may not be familiar with, have you heard of or seen a buttermill? I... I'm picturing things, but I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what it is. Okay, so a I mean, I'm seeing kind of like more of a churn situation, but I've probably that's not what we're talking about. Nope, that's not what we're talking about. So picture, <laughs> if you will, around. Okay, let's let's say it resembles a solid deodorant tube where you twist up the bottom and the deodorant comes up the top, right? Okay. So oh, this buttermill... So you can like spread your butter yes. on your toast? Yes. <laughs> That's so stupid. I think it is the most idiotic thing. <laughs> it's it To me, this one eclipses the hard-boiled egg peeler, and you know how I feel about the hard-boiled <laughs> egg peeler. So with the buttermill, you open the bottom of this for lack of a better phrase, deodorant tube, and you put your <laughs> stick of butter into it and then you screw the thing shut and you twist it and it squirts <laughs> butter. Like it looks like a, oh, oh, I know what it looks like. You know, the Play-Doh, oh Play-Doh factories yes. where you squeeze down on the lever and then you get the little snakes or worms <laughs> of Play-Doh squirting out the end. It's like that, this but with like butter made out of nightmares or something this just sounds <laughs> so ridiculous and like gross at the same time and, and it I will relieve you it will relieve you of twenty dollars to purchase this too i don't know if i am reacting to what the product is or what you're using to describe the product <laughs> you know <laughs> such as like a deodorant stick of <laughs> Well, it just, to me, it's so offensive that it exists because yeah, if, um, if you can't, let's, I get it. I don't always think ahead and soften butter, but the way to solve that is just to scrape a knife over the top and get some. Well, for me, of one of the most life-changing things uh, that we use here at my house on the daily is one of those French butter keepers. Oh, those are wonderful. Yeah. And that, um, so if you're not familiar what a butter keeper, like a French butter keeper is, um, you put the butter into like, think of a, maybe like a cup or something like that. Yeah. That has a, a lip on it. It's on shaped, the bottom of, uh, shaped like a bell. Well, mine kind of looks just like a bowl and it has a lid, so to speak, on the base of it. I'll, I'll share a link to what I use. And then in actual cup or the vessel you put a little bit of water in there and you put the butter I'm not explaining this well no, you but aren't. you put the butter <laughs> container in it and there's enough water where it creates like a seal 
Yes. Do you know what I mean? And you can leave it up out, out on the counter uh, without it. It stays room temperature, but nothing can, it still stays sealed up because of the water. Anyways, it's great. I didn't explain that really well, and it's really hard to explain it audibly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I will have a French butter keeper link for you guys. And yes. then you can click on that and it will better explain for you what a French butter keeper is. We're going to diverge just a little bit there because I do like the concept of a French butter keeper, but the quantity of butter we go through makes it oh, kind yeah. of a pain to use because you have to refill it with softened butter. So for us, yeah. um, a old school butter dish does the job fine. We go through butter fast enough. But on the subject of butter and leading into kind of a subcategory here, have you ever seen a corn butter knife? I mean, is that different from a regular knife? Yes. And this is another one of the things that I honestly or, think Or is it a exist. knife with a corn on the handle? Is that <laughs> what it is? No, it's a knife that's curved to sit perfectly on an ear of sweet corn. Um. Yeah. No? Yeah. It's, I uh, why? I, this is not worth it. Again, this is another thing that's going to relieve you of between 10 and $20 from your wallet and is a unitasker of questionable merit. Yeah. If you want to like butter corn quickly, like a lots of, lot of ears of corn quickly, uh, you could melt the butter and just pour it over the corn. Yeah. You could also... Take a piece of parchment paper yeah. and use that to like rub the butter over the corn. I would argue that the fastest way to butter an ear of corn is always going to be roll the corn in the flipping stick of butter. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Or just hold the stick or, you know, and just rub it. <laughs> yes. So on. <laughs> oh, dear. I I see where we're going with this, and I'm going to move us on. Um, let's let's stay on the subject of knives of questionable merit. And there's a lot of gadgety little knives out there, right. That I take personal offense to, right? For instance, can you give us an example? Um, I don't like an avocado knife. Yeah, I think they're kind of. I mean, what you can do with a small paring knife and a spoon. Yeah. Which you can use a spoon and a small paring knife for a multitude of things than an avocado knife. Because the avocado knives that I have seen are this horseshoe shaped thing attached to a handle with some dividers in it. And you kind of use that to kind of scoop it through the avocado at the same time it slices it. Yes. And I got to say, I was sent an avocado knife one time to try out and I was exceptionally happy I hadn't spent money on it because when you take a perfectly ripe avocado and you try to mash this thing through it that is removing it from the shell and cutting it into slices at the same time, I found it squished this perfectly ripe avocado most unpleasantly. I ended up with something akin to a chunky guacamole out of it instead of beautifully Yeah, I'm know, not a fan slices. either. So I got one as a gift one time too, and I was like, not impressed. So paring knife, spoon, is all you need. And then along that is, um, I've never heard of this, a peanut butter knife? Yes. Okay. So what a is, peanut butter what knife. What is that supposed to, I mean, <laughs> isn't that a butter knife? No, it's a long, thin knife that has a little um, kind of blunt 
portion of it at the end, at the business end of it. And it's designed to help you get all of the peanut butter out of the jar, theoretically. Oh, because a spatula is too hard to use. <laughs> exactly. So um, I think we're so on the same page here. our thought about that. <laughs> peanut butter knife, not worth it. What about a pizza wheel cutter? I mean, pizza wheel cutters are handy, but I mean, I have a pizza wheel cutter. I, I do, do too. And and they're handy in the sense of obviously for slicing pizza and you can use them for slicing thin doughs or making, you know, if, you, if you're doing pie and you're making a lattice top or um, even though there's like lattice slicers, but that's like a whole other thing. Yeah. I think they can actually be useful um, if you are going to use them in other ways. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yep. However, if you're not much of, which other ways is basically like, in the realm of baking. Yeah, I would say also one of the things pizza wheel cutters do pretty well that I don't use them for anymore for obvious reasons is to cut up food into bite-sized pieces for little kids. Yeah, I was about to say that. I was about to say, because I have seen that use like to cut up pancakes for little kids yeah. and that sort of thing. So in that department, if you're going to be using it for, for those additional purposes, I mean, it's inexpensive. So I I would justify it for those, pur- if you're using it in concert for those other purposes. However, if you don't, I would spend more on an actual knife to cut your pizza. Like if you're literally just going to use it for cutting pizza, use a knife. Or if you do want to make an investment, you can use one of those pizza cutter blades that rock. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I do. It's it's like a mezzaluna. Yes. So those come in handy because you can also use them for other things like slicing brownies or, you know, if you make a focaccia bread or something, you know what I mean? Like anything that's kind of like square or round shaped and thick, you can't use a pizza cutter for it because you have the little center wheel, but you could use a mezzaluna on it. But again, a knife is perfectly fine. Yes. So in summary, if budget is a concern, spend more money on a better knife instead of getting, you know, dividing your funds up between a a questionable knife and a pizza cutter. Okay, so speaking of whether or not you need to have this cutting implement, kitchen shears. Absolutely, everybody needs kitchen shears. I yep, think everybody agreed. needs kitchen shears. Worth it, 100%. And furthermore, I would argue that you need to get kitchen shears that you can take apart to wash. Oh, for sure. Yeah, OXO has a great pair and so does KitchenAid. They both have um, two great products. They come apart. The blade is sturdy. And and also you want them big because yes. you want to be able to get through, I mean, you use them to cut through chicken bone to from any everything from chicken bone to like mincing up herbs a few times. Like I've used yeah. it for all kinds of they're they are a great tool and a workhorse in the kitchen. So and they are different from traditional scissors. So don't yes, think they are. you can just get like a really big pair of craft scissors and get by. That would be kind of hilarious to watch someone try that. I would I would also say that um when it comes to whether, you know, prioritizing spending money in a kitchen, I would say kitchen shears should be right up there. They they definitely need to be on a priority list. I think it's a great thing to partner with your kitchen knife. They're just really really handy. 
And they're not expensive. They're they're not really expensive considering the amount of usefulness you get out of them. I think they're one of the best kitchen multitaskers there are. I grab mine every on the daily, all the time. Absolutely. Same so, here. For the most random things. Even like when I'm being lazy, I can't even tell you how many times I've like, I don't know, cut up a piece of sausage and thrown it in the skillet. And then I'm like, you know what? I want those pieces to be smaller. And so I take the kitchen uh-huh. shears and just start clipping the sausage snip, right snip, in the snip, skillet. Snip, snip. Yep. <laughs> Why I don't not? know that I've ever done that specifically, <laughs> but I could see myself doing it. I'm more like <laughs> snipping chives over something when I don't feel like getting out a cutting board. That's- same. Absolutely the same thing. But it's just funny to me. I have done that a few times. I'm like, uh, I want that sausage smaller. And so I'm like in there like shoving the <laughs> the shred. I do it a lot with like chunks of meat, like shredded meat. And I'm like, I really want this to be smaller. So I just shove the shears in there and start cutting. I feel like that's going to be something I'm going to have to try now. So give me something that you think that's worth having in the kitchen. Um, Fine mesh strainers, anything. Yes. I don't even have, you know, you there's like the colander, you know? Yes. It's just like a bowl with big holes in it. I don't even have a colander. I would agree that if you have to choose one or the other, the strainer or the sieve is a much better option because it's you can do so much with it. Yeah, I understand having a really large colander if you are a family and you're doing like a big pot of pasta. But I have one of those one of those pasta pots that have the colander in it. So if Mm -hmm. I do do a large quantity, I just use that. Other than that, I have a fine mesh strainer for straining everything. And I find it much more useful for me versus a traditional bowl colander. So I also love my fine mesh strainers and I use them. um, We eat a lot of rice here and I always rinse my rice before I cook it. And if they're metal, the smaller ones can double as a, as a spider. And a spider is anything is like when you want to scoop something out of hot oil, you could use a spider or you can use a really fine mesh strainer a, a metal i should yes say. please don't use <laughs> this is not don't use a plastic I, one that i could don't know why badly. i felt like i had to clarify that but i don't want to like suddenly be like you said you i could put my fine mesh strainer in the hot oil uh well not exactly and then what about for you what is like a really big one for you i love my silpats I'm, do you have silpats i had one but i just don't bake enough to i just get so annoyed with having to clean them i i use parchment paper okay so for those who don't know a silpat is a fiberglass core silicone covered flexible mat that can go into the bottom of a baking dish mm-hmm. and it it makes any baking dish or sheet pan nonstick so It is exceptionally handy if you're a baker, but that's not the only thing it can be used for. You can use it to line a pan if you're roasting some meat to help, you know, pull things off of the bottom of the pan more easily or keep things from sticking. I like it. It is helpful. You can also use it on the counter to roll dough out onto to keep your counter clean and make it easier to remove the dough. So that for me, that's that's something totally worth it. There There is a trick to cleaning them, and that's not to take them out of the pan before you clean them so that you've got the pan helping you because otherwise it's just this big floppy thing mm. that's, you know, rattling around in the sink. That makes sense. So pro <laughs> tip. So another pro tip, do not cut on a silpat because it renders it useless. Yeah. And then another really, and this is our last thing on the list. Um, it is. And a lot of people don't have one. 
but um, they should. But they should. I do. I'm sure Rebecca does with as much baking oh, yeah. as she does, especially if you're a baker, is an oven thermometer. Yes, much, please preach. Yeah. Even even if you have a brand new like state-of-the-art oven, it really helps to have an oven thermometer because initially it might be temping correctly, but it's a really great backup to know what temperature your oven is actually at. If you know that your oven is off on temperature, you can compensate then. Yeah, it's not the end of the world if your oven is off. You just know that maybe you need to turn it up a little bit or turn it down a little bit and adjust for that. It's not... Knowledge is power, people. And (laughs) oven thermometers give you the knowledge and the power. For sure. So I'm just wondering, do you have any of these gadgets and appliances in your own kitchen? Do you love them? Do you hate them? Do you agree with us? Do you think we're nuts? Do you think we're nuts? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't ask that one. But yeah, we we want to know. I just I want to know who has a buttermill. <laughs> Talk to us if you have it and if you love it, we will definitely take your opinion into account. And along those lines of talking to us, uh, we're still getting ready for a question and answer episode. So please send us emails with your questions and we will answer them. Shoot those questions to myplateisalwaysfull at gmail.com or reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook at myplateisalwaysfull. And we're just really looking forward to getting these questions, uh, giving you some answers, Maybe a few opinions. It should be a really <laughs> fun. <laughs> it should be a really fun episode. And I really hope that you guys learned a little bit today. And if you were on the fence about some of the about higher the ticket, well, about the buttermilk, yeah, <laughs> or the higher ticket items, maybe we gave you a little bit of extra information to help you make that decision. And in the meantime, you can find me, Rebecca, at foodiewithfamily.com. And you can find me, Mercedes, at thenoshery.com. And you can find the podcast and all of our show notes and links at myplateisalwaysfull.com. Please like and share and listen to all of our episodes. We got a lot of episodes out there right now. Our most popular is the uh, French fry episode. So if you haven't listened, you should check that one out, but you don't have to listen to them in order. Make sure you download, like, and subscribe. Share it with your friends. And you can find My Plate is Always Full on all major podcasting apps. Make sure you're tuned in next week for another episode of My Plate is Always Full. And until next time, stay hungry.